everyone welcome to the moga bar show i am your host gabe as always with me i have a special guest ceo and founder of portex logistics brian kempesty um brian is joining me from bozeman montana which that alone makes me jealous to be honest um i i love the outdoors and i love doing things outdoors but i am here on the east coast not in bozeman montana um brian thank you for joining why don't you go ahead and tell us a little bit about yourself and about portex logistics Sure, sure. No, it's a pleasure to be here. Uh, pleasure to be here from Bozeman, too. I am very lucky that I get to live here. And um, Portex has offices both on the East and West Coast, New York, uh, Savannah, uh, Oakland, LA, Georgia. We have an office in Canada. Um, and what we do is we specialize in expediting containerized cargo. So drayage, transloading, and trucking out of all the ports and rail ramps uh, in the United States. Um, founded based on, you know, a couple of pillars. We talk about culture, the people that we have internally, uh, service. We have a very um, strict set of SOPs that allow us to help customers through the process, uh, the technology for the visibility piece. And it was important to us to, to have some of our own trucks too, to help um, customers through the supply chain issues that they're having these days. Yeah. And, you know, let's talk about some of these supply chain issues. I know that there's supply chain issues. It's been all over the news, you know, chip shortages. But aside from chip shortages, how much of this is truly a supply chain issue? How much of it is a logistics issue? How much of it is a poor planning issue? You know, it's been in the news. Biden's opening up the port of L.A. 24-7. But does that actually solve the problem? <laughs> yeah. No, it doesn't solve any of the problems. There's, there's a couple of things, <clears throat> you know, I've been on several calls, um, you know, with strategists and, and different people, um, even some people advising the White House. Um, but 24-7 isn't going to help. Um, it, it really is a, uh, a planning issue, one, and uh, a poor um, utilization issue. When, it, when I say utilization, it all comes down to those chassis. So there's been so many charter vessels and newer container lines that are calling on the West Coast that these containers come in, um, we could pick them up, get them delivered to wherever they have to go, but the terminals are not accepting any of the empties back. So when those empties, how many ever, 10,000, 5,000, whatever they are, are sitting on these chassis, that's why we have a chassis shortage. And that's when things come to gridlock. So for example, in our Oakland uh, operation, we have a yard space for a hundred containers. If we pick up 100 containers and can't return them and can't reutilize those chassis, our yard is at gridlock and nothing can be done. And that's what's happening up and down the West Coast right now due to the uh, lack of empty returns. Why is that so difficult to figure out? Like, where, where's the disconnect? Because in theory, and this is my complete layman and uneducated way of understanding it, it seems very simple. You use it, give it back. I mean, it's like old school, you know, blockbuster yeah. video rental. Send yeah. it back. Yeah. There's so many imports that are coming in. There isn't necessarily room um, for the returns going back on the outside, even though they need them back in Asia. Um, but I think another part of it is these newer lines that have started calling the West Coast, along with these uh, charter vessels, they don't have long-term terminal contracts, right? So your big steamship lines, Amerisk, a CMA, 
um, Hapag Lloyd, those types of companies that have been working with these terminals for years and have contracts with these terminals, they're going to get first priority. And those shipper, um, you know, those uh, charter vessels and these more obscure Chinese lines that are calling, nobody's taking those containers back. And that is really um, one of the biggest causes um, that we have for the current congestion. Um, and another thing that, that I'll, I'll talk about is velocity through the supply chain, right? We need to get the containers picked up, emptied, returned. So that's one part of velocity. The second thing is a lot of containers in normal times come off of the vessel, ride the rail to a destination city, go out for local delivery. Well, these, these shipper-owned containers or charter vessels and or more obscure lines, they don't allow what is called inland point intermodal or IPI service, which means they all need to be transloaded on the West Coast. Um, and when they need to be transloaded on the West Coast, um, it just causes a, a glut at all the warehouses. And we've been asking people for uh, six to nine months now, please have your shippers overseas palletize the cargo so that velocity can be better. Eight to nine man hours for a loose loaded container, 30 to 45 minutes for a palletized container. So everybody's worried about, hey, how much can I fit in, um, in the container? I can only get so many containers on the, on the vessel. So they think they're shipping more product over here and they're being more productive, but nobody is accepting these loose loaded containers. So all these people that thought they had a good idea sending this stuff over uh, loose loaded, they're gonna miss holiday season. Mm, that's and there's the rub you know that that's why it's all over the news right now because now we're close to the holiday season you know black friday thanksgiving all this shopping that happens and you know the holidays what what is the end goal what is the end resolve rather because at the end of the day yes they're sending it from asia we can't control what they do in asia in, in theory at least i don't think we can um, i think we can i think we should right? We're ordering the stuff from them. It's mostly contract manufacturing. So, you know, the, the beneficial cargo owners or retailers really need to put their foot down and say, we need this to happen. Um, or really, this is going to get dragged out. We could probably fix this in a three to four month time frame. If you could get palletized cargo, we could clean up the warehouses, you know, get better velocity through the supply chain. Uh, but until people start heeding that advice, I think it's going to be uh, a slow grind to get things caught up. And, and the other thing is from a cash flow perspective, what are all these mid-size retailers or importers going to do when they're missing out on all these sales and paying exorbitant amounts for their shipping? Yeah, I mean, and then that's sort of the the, the next part of it. It's like the, the money aspect. Um, is, are the ports, are the shipping industry missing out on money potentially by this all this manpower that's that is being used whether it's overtime i don't know how it works i don't know the logistics of it but you have overtime because you have to now whether some of them maybe they do palletize it and they're taking bringing it off the containers but sending it back because you have to look through it and be like okay these are all loose items we're not taking it it still takes time it takes energy you know effort um, manpower that could have been used for something else where's all that money coming from? Because that has to be costing these shipping companies an exorbitant amount of money. Yeah, well, I think the shipping lines are doing great. They're basically taking it from port to port 
And they're like, well, somebody else's problem now. You guys do what you want with it. And then between the steamship lines and the terminals, they're charging um, demurrage if you don't pick it up in time and per diem if you don't return it in time. So they're getting, I mean, they're making record profits right now because there's record volumes, but nobody has thought about the end of the supply chain. Once it gets to the US, how do we process the cargo? And this is only my opinion, but I think if you palletize your cargo in Asia versus, versus paying temp labor $30 an hour in LA, it would be cheaper in the long run if they just palletized it overseas, but they're just not looking at the end game. They're, most people are looking at how many containers or how many cartons can I get on a vessel? And that's the thing that it's always trying to get more and more and more in. I mean, it's kind of sort of been the American way that we've been used to is like, get more, get more, get more yeah. in. Um, so are we, the consumer, really the problem who keep ordering and ordering and ordering? Well, I mean, it is some, but you know, we're in unprecedented times. We've never seen this. And just because a retailer or an importer, well, that's the way we always did it. And we're going to maximize our uh, container utilization. They're going to learn that eventually the message is going to be heard that we need to change our ways or we're not going to get our product. I mean, yeah, it's like with anything you need to evolve. You know, let's look at Port X Logistics. You, you're evolving the shipping and logistics industry. You know, you're a tech focused company um, providing solutions to a fairly old industry. The industry needs to, needs to evolve. And, um, mm -hmm. you know, we're trying to do that with the tech, what we're helping customers do, which whether they're freight forwarders or beneficial cargo owners is they're giving us delivery orders early. So we get the, the orders when the containers are still on the vessel, we track the vessel on their behalf. We make sure if it's not customs cleared, we alert them if there's peer pass, or it's called a terminal uh, handling fee that isn't paid. We pay that on their behalf. We try to help expedite that through. Um, and then we have uh, technology that allows global companies, whether you're in uh, Germany, uh, Dallas, Chicago, and they might have stakeholders in all locales, you can simply go in our system, type in your container number, and you know exactly where it is. If it's in transit, you can see how fast the driver is going. Um, so we, we have that technology um, to really help the global supply chain. Um, but first and foremost, you got to get those containers recovered, transloaded, and then, and then moving. And that's, that's where everybody is getting stuck right now. So, you know, the president's being advised by industry experts. Um, what the hell are they advising him? Like, why can't, why is it, why is this so difficult to figure out? And, you know, why is this on the president to figure out? Why can't this, why is it? Yeah, well, I think, I think, you know, there are some, there's, there's some real long-term issues. Um, there is a driver shortage. That is not the issue right now, though. Overall, the industry does not have enough drivers, but right now it's utilization um, and some easy fixes um, from an infrastructure perspective, which infrastructure is, is a hot topic right now. We need more space to take these empty containers. Five, six years ago, there was no such thing as an appointment. You could just take your empty containers back to the terminal. Now we have people logging on, you know, they're going in 10, 15, 20 times a day, checking to see if an appointment has opened up for an empty. And there simply are not the empties there. Um, so that is, 
you know, a, a major issue that needs to be fixed somehow, and whether that is, uh, you know, more infrastructure at the ports and terminals, but there's only so much real estate. So that's something um, that can be looked at. And I also think the chassis issue right now, which is dogging us, that's why we can't get things done because all these chassis are covered up. In the rest of the world, the trucker owns the chassis and the wheels that the container goes on and they maintain it and they utilize it. They take it for delivery um, and return it. Right now, the they call them pop chassis, pool of pools that are kept at the terminals, maintained by the union. Um, mm -hmm. And there's, there's chassis there that could be utilized, but we just haven't had the labor at the terminals to get them fixed. Um, so one of my propositions that I think long-term, if you want uh, to, to fix the infrastructure, give grants to all these drainage providers to go and buy their own chassis pools. And then they will maintain them, take care of them and get it done. One of the reasons I don't think it's done here in the US versus the rest of the world is probably 90% of your drainage driver population are owner operators. So they're okay. one and two man teams. You know, for us, for example, we have company drivers plus owner operators, but there's a heavy, um, a heavy volume of them um, are, are the owner operators. And if you've got 90% of the drainage community that are real small businesses, they just don't have the capital to go out there, buy these chassis, lease a yard, have a place to park them. So it's just a different scenario over here than it is uh, in Europe, Canada, or other areas around the or other areas around the world. That's and okay. So, like you're saying, you know, provide grants. That's that's a good step forward. But now we need someone to actually, you know, propose that. I mean, I know that you say you have that proposal, but you need some backing. Yeah, of who, course. Yeah. Who? Who is it that you know the mass public can write to, whether it's their co local congressman or whomever, to like say, hey, you know, step up, like, come on, let's get yeah, going. Yeah, um, it probably does have to be um, somebody like that, a, a local congressperson, um, you know, your your senator, um, because you know the people at the ports are getting paid to maintain these chassis, so they're not necessarily going to be a proponent. The steamship lines used to own their own chassis. So you used to go use a steamship line chassis like 10 or 15 years ago, and they couldn't make money maintaining them. So they just punted on it. And that's how we ended up with this pool system. Um, but the industry itself, I don't think there's any singular person within the industry that is going to push for that solution. So it is going to have to come um, from a government level. But we're talking, this is a long-term solution. This is not cleaning up the current mess. This is just making yeah. sure we don't have the mess again. Yeah, I mean, at, at the end of the day, it sounds like this holiday is going to be a very disappointing one for a lot of consumers that ordered stuff or are yeah. haven't ordered stuff, still ordering, going to order now. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, you know, what does this mean for like the big box stores, you know, the Targets, the Walmarts, the Sears, if still around, I can't remember. But it's, you know, what, what does it mean for these places that well, traditionally get stuff? They've they have the deepest pockets, right? So mm -hmm. they will pay for capacity or pay for special gate hours or do by any means necessary, try to get it done. Mm -hmm. So I'm not worried about them as much as, you know, your mid-market um, retailer or, you know, somebody that, you know, a product that we're dealing with right now, 
um, outdoor gear and backpacks and tree stands and things like that. And hunting season is like upon us right now. Well, they've got hundred or hundreds of containers that have not made it through the retail system, whether it's through their warehouse for direct uh, sale or to a Dick's Sporting Goods or a Dunham's or places like that. So they're basically missing all this stuff. They're going to miss all these sales and they're going to have to warehouse a lot of it for an entire year to reutilize it. See, and now, and now that's the rub because all, all of this, this shortage for the lack of a better word, because it is going to be a supply shortage just because of the logistics issue. Um, that can potentially put some businesses out of, out of business, you know, like oh, the medium sized because it's they, they don't going have to, the capital it, to support. Well, more than a lot of it is cash flow, right? You paid to have all this manufactured or you bought it from overseas. Now you got to have that carry for a year. Mm -hmm. um, it, it, that cash flow is going to cripple people and the small truckers too. Something that goes widely unknown is say you've got 30 day payment terms, which is kind of standard throughout the industry. Mm -hmm. So you pick it up, you get it brought to a warehouse, you transload it, you have the over the road truck, deliver it to Dallas. So that was October 5th to, or October 1st to October 5th. Well, when you can't return that empty, we can't close the order until the empty is returned. So if you wait 30 or 60 days, your 30 day payment terms become 60 day or 90 day. So any small trucking companies that are fronting these storage charges are gonna be in a world of hurt. And then you've mm -hmm. also got the, the importers who are paying all these charges in the long run and warehousing for an entire year and missing their season. So I think cash flow is going to be a big thing that nobody is talking about in the supply chain right now. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, the overall economic impact, I mean, I, I get it. You're not an economist. I'm not asking you to comment on the state of the, the, the U.S.'s economy or global economy, but the fact is, this is going to have a huge impact. Um, it, it's, you know, COVID had an impact and this is going to, everything's going to trickle down um, to everyone else because those stores and those traders, those, those truckers have people that work for them, support them, help them load, unload, you know, et cetera. Those stores have people stocking the shelves or, you know, it's a small mom and pop shop. That could be how they support their family. And then this is just going to trickle down. And now we're going to see another, maybe not as bad, a bad of a, a recession, but something potentially just as bad, all because of these underlying issues. You know, people focus on, you know, the effect, but not the cause. And, you know, what is the cause? And I'm not saying that the cause is the empties not being returned, but that is one of the causes. And that's something, like you said, has not been addressed. So what do you know? Again, back to square one, what you're saying, address these issues, you know, it's not being talked about enough or you hear about, let's open up the port 24 seven. It's like, yeah, that's not the. No, how about give us 20 or 50 acres to go take these empties? Because why is it the importer's fault or why is it the trucker's fault that they can't return these empties? So really that's gotta be on the terminals and the steamship lines you know, mainly the steamship lines to work mm -hmm. with the terminals to come up with a solution because it shouldn't, the burden ends up falling on the importers of eating all these charges rather yeah. than the steamship lines, you know? Why are, are the steamship lines ramping up this capacity 
and bringing in stuff that they know can't fit through the pipeline. And they're bringing it in because they're making a ton of dough. So they're just going to, they're going to keep, keep doing it, bringing yeah. the cash register and there's no repercussions really for them. Yeah. I mean, if they continue, if they keep making money, there's no reason that they're like, it's completely illogical for them to stop if they continue yeah. to make money. Um, so yeah, it, it needs to really, and it's not, we're just like earlier before we, we started recording, you said that, yeah, you've been working around the clock and you've been dealing with this for months on. We're just now hearing about it. Um, yeah, well, and- really this started, like COVID started like a year and a half ago. And mm-hmm. this started three to six months after COVID started. So, I mean, this cycle has been going on for quite some time. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, two things, right? If they don't fix the empty return situation and people don't start palletizing their cargo overseas, this is going to be another year or could be even longer. But yeah. if, we, if we can figure out an empty return solution and people heed the advice to palletize overseas, we can be out of this in a fairly short order. I don't think that they're going to start doing that until this holiday season is over when the people are complaining because they didn't get everything that they ordered. Yeah. I think yeah. that's, that's what it's going to take essentially, because that's usually when something happens, when the people start complaining, they start posting on social media, they start saying, I didn't get this. I didn't get that. They start requesting refunds. So that's probably going to be what it takes, what's going to happen. And I'm not saying that it's going to happen then, but that's when they'll start looking at it seriously. It's like, okay, well, maybe we yep. need to start doing this. Let's talk to the, you know, the BKs of the world and let's see who else we can talk to and, and like figure something out. Um, because that's really the only time that anything gets done is once the consumers complain. And I feel that after this holiday season, there's going to be a lot of complaining, a lot of upset people, a lot of upset children, which leads to upset yeah. parents. Well, which- there's going to be a lot of upset hunters I know that are not getting their tree stands. That too. So yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's a trickle down effect. So it's like until it really goes all the way down and the people like, what the, you know, like, where yeah. do we go? That's when I see them con- seriously start talking about the change. Um, yeah. Brian, I know how crazy busy you are. I don't want to take up too much of your time, but what else do you want, you know, people to know about what's actually happening what PortX is doing to help um yeah well i mean what what we are telling people too is it's easy for us to say because we're the like the last mile of it but diversify your supply chain don't count on one port whether it's savannah or la or new york whatever it is do what you can to diversify your supply chain so you're not um beholden to one port one weather condition, one weather issue. Just think if there was an earthquake in Southern California right now, it would be, we would never see the end of this. It would be backed up forever. Cause I always say one day of weather shutdown is a one week recovery. So anything catastrophic is gonna be bad. So diversify that supply chain and get your, um, and you and Drayman transloaders and truckers like Portex get us the orders early, get it to us when the cargo leaves Asia or leaves Europe so we can plan for that capacity. And that capacity means warehouse capacity. 
It means driver capacity. It means labor. It means yard storage. Like all these things come into play. It's just not just how many drivers do you have. And the old school way of doing it was we would get issued a delivery order once the cargo cleared, which is when the vessel is arriving. That doesn't work anymore. And people still are using these old technology systems and that's how the orders are created. So, you know, we're getting people to change with the times and provide those pre-alerts, but that is critical um, to these importers that they start giving uh, pre-alerts and start palletizing the cargo. Um, and if they do that with our culture service tech and trucks, there will be zero issues. Like we just had a shipment the other day, came in through LA, we had it recovered within 24 hours, transloaded the next day and delivered in El Paso. So it was two and a half days from port to El Paso, but it was all because of pre-planning, palletization, they tracked it through to delivery. Um, so those are, the, those are the kinds of importers that are gonna be rewarded in this environment. Nice. Um, thank you so much, Brian. And ladies and gentlemen, there you have it. There is a supply chain issue, but it's not so much supply chain as it is planning. So plan properly and get the stuff into the hands of your people. Thank you.